Hello, and welcome to the Neff Canyon Ward podcast. My name is Tyler Slade, and I'm excited to bring you all the cool people of our neighborhood and ward. The goal of this podcast is for all of us to get to know each other better, to create unity through sharing our experiences with others in the gospel. So here we are tonight with the Tafts. Kyle and, and, and Marilyn are here, and we're in their house, and... What a wonderful opportunity to interview them and to get to know them better for the ward. And uh, humbled to be here. So let's get right into this. Um, let's see. Let's start with uh, Kyle. Kyle, tell us oh, a little bit God. about where you're from, where you grew up, all that fun stuff, what you do for a living. Oh, boy. Okay. <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm from Utah. At a very young age, my family moved to Southern California. And we lived there until I was about five or six and moved back uh, to Salt Lake City. The interesting thing was, this was back in 1957. Was there electricity back then? Well, I was going to (laughs) say, the reason my dad moved back, he says, things were getting too wild in Southern California (laughs) back in the 50s. Too many gangs, too much goofy stuff going on so moved back here and then my dad uh, built a house I have to tell you this story so you know where my mom lives now on Mount Olympus Way so my dad mom bought the lot there and when they bought it it was just dirt roads Mm -hmm. there were mining shacks across the street there was a sheep herder shack that sounds like fun as a kid oh it was so so my dad was really excited about it. He brought his dad up, you know, you want to impress your dad. And he drove him up to the site and says, here it is. What do you think? And so my grandpa stood there for a few minutes, turned to my dad and said, can you get your money back? <laughs> and, and my dad, my dad paid $6,000 for that lot. $6,000. We can give it back now if you want so anyway uh he he and mom basically built the house what year was that uh 58 59 wow yeah we moved in in 59 and uh lived there until i was 20 something 26 27 moved out lived with a friend for a while bought my own house and then uh Marilyn and I got married, and uh, we remodeled that house. That was down in the Highland Park area on Glenmare Street, a whopping 850-square-foot house. Hmm. And uh, we ended up building a garage. It had no garage. We built a garage. We uh, remodeled where the basement was completely unfinished, so we finished the basement just in time for our twins. So in that house, in that small house, we had four children. And uh, Marilyn finally decided it was too small. The kids were beating each other up. Four kids in 850 square feet. Yeah. Hmm. So Who was living in the garage? You? (laughs) (laughs) Is that why you built it? As often as I could, yeah. So uh, Marilyn became 
uh, sort of a, a realtor. She never got a realtor license, but I tell you, she knew the Salt Lake market like nobody else. She found the house, this house, and said, we're, we're buying it. And, and I said, well, I kind of think I like the house we're in already. And she says, it's okay, you can stay there, I'm moving. I love it. <laughs> Marilyn, I love you. Wife's great. I love Where it. Where would we be? Well, he was, him. we were attached. You know, you get attached to your neighbors sure. and your friends. And, um, but I just had this really strong feeling that if we moved here, that all of our boys would go on missions. I just had that feeling. And Kyle didn't really want to move back to this neighborhood because he was kind of wild as a youth. And so his reputation preceded him a little bit. He was a very active uh, young man. Wait a minute. Back in the 50s, wild would be considered... And 60s. And 60s. Uh, no, um, <laughs> we're not there, going there. there were stories I told him <laughs> he could never tell our children <laughs> because they were, the kids were all free range up here. Yeah. They were all free range. So, but it, it worked out, it worked out really well. So here we are. So you asked me what my profession was, uh, an architect. And when we got married, I was very new in architecture. And we, we, it was back in the day before cell phones, right? So everybody had an extension on their phone line, right? So you could get more than one person on the phone. Well, we were at Marilyn's uh, place, and we called her parents to tell them we were engaged. And they didn't realize I was on the extension. Oh, no. So... So when when we were talking to them, you know, Marilyn's mom goes, now, what does he do for a living? And Marilyn said, he's an architect. And, and Marilyn's mom said, so who's going to be supporting whom? <laughs> because Marilyn, Marilyn had a sweet job. She was selling large computer systems for AT&T. Oh, yeah. And had some awesome clients at the time. So A saleswoman. Oh, I'm loving it. Yeah. So, Marilyn, where are you from? Well, I'm Tell from Southern California, you. but my dad was in the military, so okay. we moved around a lot. But I was born in Riverside, California, and when my dad retired from the military, we moved back there. So I graduated from high school. Uh, I'm in Riverside. Okay. And I'm a convert. I'm the only member of oh. the church in my immediate or extended family other than my children sure but i'm not i'm the only member this is awesome so how did you stumble into kyle where did that happen you can tell that no he asked you <laughs> <laughs> well we after i graduated from byu i was working okay in so you Salt went to byu Lake. Um, and he was finishing his degree at the U and we, after they rearranged some boundaries and some wards, we wound up in the same, in the same student ward. Um, and I, they were redoing, I had been the Relief Society president before they redrew the boundaries 
and Kyle was in the elders quorum and they were doing some rearranging of uh, home teaching assignments, I think, right? Yeah. And so they, because I knew all the, the young women, the sisters in the ward, they invited me to come to the meeting. So that's where I first met him. Okay. She was wearing a, a long peasant skirt, a white uh, kind of peasant blouse, had no shoes on. She was kind of a hippie-ish kind mm -hmm. of person. Mm -hmm. And she brought us a big bag of popsicles. Oh, yeah. You know? So, yeah. You were done. She made an impression. Yeah, you oh, no. So you, you asked her out, Kyle? I mean, like, how, how did, was that like a quick process for you or... No, I didn't ask her out right away. He dated all my friends. Oh. We were good friends, and we did a lot of things together, but he didn't ask me out. And in fact, at one point, our bishop said, I don't know that he's a really good risk. Because he dated so many girls. He was not afraid of dating the girls in our ward. And so... Um, I thought, ah, I think I'll stick it out, though, because maybe it'll work out for me. I mean, this is after we did start dating. Sure. So. Awesome. So and so you've been married wrong. now for how long? Let's see. Can you do the math? No, I'm kidding. 37 years. 37 years. Four kids. Yeah. Looks like three boys, one girl. Yeah. Yeah. Three awesome. boys and a girl. And Two of the boys are twins. Okay. The two on the left-hand side on that picture. We're there. looking up oh, the at second. the uh, the two that don't look alike are the twins. So we're looking up at on their uh, above their fireplace, uh, their family portrait, and uh, Kyle looks a little younger. <laughs> Thanks, Tyler. <laughs> Marilyn looks the same. Marilyn looks the same. <laughs> Kids look completely different. Um, well, that's fantastic. So, Marilyn, tell us a little bit about like. You know, obviously, this is awesome to hear you're a convert. Tell us your conversion story. Tell us how that came to be. When I was about four or five, there was a family that lived down the street. <clears throat> and the mom in this family was LDS. And she actually grew up in the same town as Spencer W. Kimball and knew him. But she was married to a man who was not a member. And she wasn't ever really very active because she was a good coffee-drinking friend of my mom's. Sure. But she had a daughter who was my age, so they invited me to go to primary. So I went to primary, and we were meeting at that time in a bungalow uh, in downtown Riverside, like a Frank Lloyd Wright bungalow with a giant porch, big overhangs. There were huge oak trees hmm. all around. The, it was a house, and, and that was the only building that they had for, for, I think, for quite some time. But I remember that day that they played, they taught us that primary song, this is God's house, and He is here today. He hears each song we sing and listens while we pray. Wow. And I thought that was the most amazing 
information I'd ever heard in my entire life up to age five. Um, the fact that there was a God, that he would listen to us while we sang, that there was something called prayer, that was just utterly amazing to me as, as a five-year-old. And until my dad got transferred, then I went with my friend. Then the next place that we moved across the back fence was another lovely coffee-drinking friend of my mom's who was a primary teacher. Hmm. And my mom told her I'd been to primary, and so she started driving me the 25 minutes that it took every week to go to primary. So I got to go to primary for a couple more years there. And then we moved overseas, and we lived in Spain. There, The church wasn't there at the time. It wasn't I was going to say, don't tell me you had another one in Spain that would just happen <laughs> no, but, to be the backdoor neighbor. But but I was interested in finding the church. I, I, I liked primary, and I wanted to go. So when I was in big groups of people, and I would do it even at, like, football games and everything, I would whistle occasionally popcorn popping on an apricot tree. Oh, yeah. Because I thought, gosh, if someone hears that, they might. But I, because I didn't know any other way to find any members oh, of the church. Awesome. But I, I never found. That is so cool. Anyone there. And then eventually. But you were searching. I was looking for someone who, who could take me again. <laughs> and then we moved back eventually to the town where I first went to primary and started to go to young women and. Eventually, I was a senior in high school when I was baptized. Were your parents supportive of you doing that? Oh, well, not at first. My dad never minded, but my mom didn't think it was a good idea. So when I first asked to be baptized, she she said no. So I, I had to wait about three more years after that. But that, that was probably... A good thing because I got mm -hmm. I got stronger in the gospel, but it was pretty amazing because the year that I was baptized, there were five young people my age. We were all seniors in high school, who all got baptized that year, okay. all in the same stake but in different huh. wards, and so it was. I mean. The young people there, the teenagers were all super supportive, and hmm. the adults were all super supportive. They included us. And Look how important primary is and young women's and, and I can't men's. tell you how many rides that people gave to me to go places. Yeah. And, I mean, we had, we had seminary at 5.30 in the morning, hmm. and somebody picked me up for that. Every single day. Wow. Did anyone else in your family eventually nope. join? No one was ever was ever interested. Hmm. So then you decide to say, hey, I'm gonna want I want to go to the church school. You apply for BYU from there and go to BYU. Is that how that came to be? Well, I actually went to school in California for two years first. Okay. And then I finished my last two undergrad years and my two years of my master's degree. So I was at BYU for four, four years. So tell us about your profession. 
your master's degree? Well, I got a master's degree in business. Okay. And I worked for AT&T for about 14 years. I had a, it was a great job. But then eventually all our kids came and it was too much to not have somebody with them. And so um, I left that. And then I sort of accidentally became a teacher. And I was a teacher for a long time. And then uh, about four years ago, I finally went back to school again, and I got my doctorate in mm -hmm. educational leadership and policy. And so I've taken a year off from teaching public school, and I'm teaching at Weber State University this year. And you're teaching what? I'm teaching uh, teacher education and then um, administrative leadership and organizational change school improvement classes so teach the teachers uh -huh. you probably don't know this but Marilyn is an amazing teacher and very influential in the kids and, and you also a great missionary who's the girl in there why to say that joined the church that you had taught do you remember her that, that we came to the baptism and you were there oh Marissa Marissa Keller she's one of my former students yeah and she's doing so well. Huh. But she's, you made a big influence on her as well. Well, she's, I mean, that's a story. Someday a story. I'll have to invite her to come to our ward and tell her story. That's much more exciting than mine, I'll tell you for sure. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I don't believe that. You know, this is... You've touched oh. a lot of lives, though, through your teaching and example. So Weber State right now. Mm -hmm. you, you plan on doing that for a while and... Well, it's a one-year it's okay. a one-year visiting professor job, so I don't know for next year. See I took happens. a leave of absence from the school district. So which which school were you teaching in? I was teaching at Hawthorne, Hawthorne. in the Salt Lake City School District. Yep. That's fantastic. You know what's interesting about her getting her uh, doctorate is when we got engaged she was ready to get her doctorate at that time. Uh, was it UCLA uh, had accepted her? And she gave that up uh, at that time. And now she's back and she got her doctorate. So That's great. Yeah, always a goal. Christine Holding and I were doing it at the same time. Oh. That's right. She was too, huh? Yeah, and she was my visiting teacher, so it was, it was apropos, I guess. Hey, let's do this? No, it was, I mean, we decided to do it independently. Okay. But then afterwards, she'd bring me things. This is for the late nights. <laughs> That's awesome. Because I was going to school full-time. I was working full-time. I was in Young Women's, and... I was working at the temple, the Salt Lake Temple. Awesome. All the same time. It was pretty busy. Awesome. Well, Kyle, let's shift over to you and let's hear a little bit about, uh, let's see, you said you served a mission. Tell us a little bit about that and your, kind of your conversion to the gospel. And oh. what made you straighten up? <laughs> what made me straighten up? Well, I have to say that uh, <clears throat> my I, I come from a family where... Uh, my parents were not super active. My dad was not involved in the church at all. And when we moved uh, to the home on Mount Olympus Way, 
my mom was asked to be a primary teacher. So, ta-da, primary involved ta-da. again. And she said, well, you know, I don't keep the word of wisdom. Are you sure I can be a primary teacher? And uh, her good friend, Louise Judd, said, oh, yeah, no problem. You can do this. You can be a primary teacher. So my mom became a primary teacher, which meant that I was going to primary, mm-hmm. you know, which was a good influence. And then, of course, you become Aaronic priesthood age, and uh, my neighbors were extremely influential in helping me become involved in the church. Uh, Jim Nell and Shirley were great. Jim took me. They're uh, neighbors. To church they're just, they, they, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And then uh, the Judds, uh, Louise and and Bart Judd were awesome, taking me to church, helping me get involved. And just all sorts of great people in the ward were so kind to me, so helpful to me. And uh, I had good friends also, in spite of my wild ways. And when we say wild ways, don't assume that I was doing stuff that was... it was mischievous. There you go. Very, very, very Clean mischievous. Fun. Toilet papering. Yeah, Maybe a little yeah. more extreme than toilet papering. <laughs> very mischievous. One level up. <laughs> but could I have gone to jail? I don't know. That's, that's to be determined. But, um, Immunity. It's been we, long enough. We did. I have to tell you this story. So... The Jacksons, Junius Jackson and his wife, Margaret. Margaret was uh, uh, like a general authority, uh, a general officer in the, was it primary? I can't remember if it was primary or what it was, but uh, she often went downtown to meetings. And her son, Dave, was a good friend of ours. And my friend Brent Nell and I, one night, snuck into their garage, the Jackson garage, and we painted the windows of her white Cadillac black using tempera paint. <laughs> ah, tinted windows. <laughs> so, so when she came out in the morning to take her car to go down to a meeting, when she got in the car, she couldn't tell until she shut the doors and she couldn't see out of the car. So it's still funny. So she called <laughs> after all these years. She, she called her uh, son Dave, and she says, "Dave, you clean this car, and you better make it fast because I have a meeting." Come so, on. So he had to to wash the car, clean all the paint off the windows. And <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. Okay, that's good. So those kinds of things. Those are the types of things that we would do. After for any, for any of the kids listening to this, yeah. After we finish this interview, let's, let's go over the rest of the story. You might need to edit. Yes. So, but anyway, um, I did attend seminary in junior high and high school, and uh, I think the thing that converted me to the gospel most of all was reading the Book of Mormon and praying about it, and getting a so clear response of its truthfulness and of Joseph Smith. And unforgettable and undeniable, you know, to this day. And so 
that that converted me. And I, I've, I've got to say also that when I think of the preparation that the young men have today when they go on their missions, I was so unprepared. I went out knowing that the Book of Mormon was true, knowing Joseph Smith was a prophet. And that's about it, you know? Mm -hmm. That's pretty not, good, though. Not a lot of missionary preparation or anything like that. And so it was kind of cold turkey into the MTC where I learned Portuguese, went down to Brazil, and uh, had a marvelous experience there. When, when I arrived in the mission field, uh, the entire mission was baptizing probably 10 people a month, 120 people a year, okay? Wow. And it it's was nothing. one of three missions in Brazil at the time. When I left two years later, well, a year and a half later, because we had to stay in the MTC because they weren't letting people down. But um, the mission was baptizing 120 people a month. Mm. Wow. I had a marvelous mission president named George Oaks, and uh, what a man he was. He was probably only 10 years older than the missionaries. True. Hmm. You know, he was probably 28, 29 years old. So is he still alive? He passed away two years ago, and uh, his wife, Jeanette, I believe, passed away this year. Anyway, they were marvelous. What, what a man he was. You know, he said, our mission handbook is the Doctrine and Covenants. And, um, you know, mission, the mission was pretty uncomplicated. He taught us to be uh, young men and young women, elders and sisters of integrity. You know, he, he said, look, if you need to go to the store to buy something, don't wait till P-Day, you know. If you're waiting at the bus stop and you need to buy something, buy it. Don't wait. You know, but don't go to movies and waste your time, you know, doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing. You know, be a person of integrity and follow through on your commitment, you know, on your mission. And uh, I love that. Never better advice. And so simple, so simple. And when you compare it to the, okay, I'm going to get maybe a little negative here. It, preach my gospel can be so complicated, so you know, yeah. do this, do that, follow this order, follow that order, do this. Just be a person of integrity. Live the gospel principles and do your best. And uh, it worked. It worked for all of us who were his missionaries who will never forget him. Just a Laid guy. the groundwork for what's happened, obviously, from that point in Brazil. I mean, oh yeah, what a massive... Uh, conversion of that country now of you know the member count I don't know what it is now but sure it's either. millions upon millions over 30 missions in Brazil you know the big baptizing countries are of course the United States Mexico Brazil Peru Philippines and the Philippines yeah yeah well Kyle I don't think a lot of people in the ward know the story about your home burning down I think that's a great kind of conversion story as well for your dad and what the war did. Oh yeah, that was awesome because the day I left Brazil to come home was New Year's Eve, 1972, and our house burned down. 
kind of a freak accident. My mom had hung, she always used to do this, hang, hang some clothes by the, the furnace and the water heater because it was so warm, you know, mm. that it would dry things quickly. And uh, some pants caught on fire and caught the house on fire. And you know where the fire station is, just down by the shopping center there. It took them more than 30 minutes to find our house. Uh -huh. And by that time, the house was essentially burned see the down. Smoke. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the Judds let us live in their house for uh, a week or two. And then we, uh, the insurance company rented an apartment for us for like four or five months. And my dad said he was going to rebuild the house by himself. So I was attending the University of Utah. And I said, OK, I'll help you. And we would work on the house, and I would go to school, come back, and work on the house. And it wasn't cutting it. We weren't getting it done. You know, it, it, it stretched out to years, hmm. two, three years rebuilding this house. We ended up living in an apartment building down off 27th East. Our living room furniture was the rear seat of a Suburban for our couch. Hmm. Our kitchen table was a card table with folding chairs. Mm -hmm. And we had foam pads and sleeping bags for our beds. So it was pretty interesting for a while. And uh, stressful, stressful on my mom. And uh, stressful on my dad, of course. But the ward, my, my dad was always, a, I will do it my way. Danish, you know, kind of guy and uh, didn't like people helping him do anything. He always wanted to do it himself in his own way. But after that much time, it got to the point where he, he was willing to accept the elders coming over and helping him uh, take care of some, you know, critical things on the house, get it closed in so that he could do the finish work inside. And it humbled my dad a lot to do that. Um, he was, as I mentioned earlier, not attending church at all, not involved in the church in any way. But that changed his heart. And later, uh, a great bishop, Garth Mangum, and his wife befriended my dad. Also before that, some great individuals. Um, uh, Wendell Ashton was my dad's home teacher. My dad and mom, our family's home teacher, I guess, would come and talk to my dad about stuff. Garth Mangum would talk to him. They had a special program where they were, you know, uh, taking people uh, to the temple to get sealed in the temple. And my dad and mom went through the program and... Uh, all sorts of long stories there, but my dad eventually committed to do that. Hmm. Got sealed to my mom in the temple. My brother and I were sealed to them, and the rest is history. You know, my dad was a, a ward clerk for 15 or more years hmm. with cool guys like uh, Paul Halliday and uh, uh, hmm. Decker. What was Decker's first name? Wayne. Wayne Decker yeah. and others, you know, so. Wayne stayed on the rest of his life, didn't he? <laughs> was a clerk. 
yeah. he, he was there. But you, you have great parents. I haven't met yours, but uh, they were great too. I'm sure they were awesome, They're wonderful people. Yeah, my dad is the kindest person I've ever met. Uh, hmm. So that's his legacy, I'd say. Well, that's really, More really, really good. And I'll tell you what, you know, when you hear a conversion story and then about your dad and Marilyn, yours as well, you know, there's no doubt, you know, what you, you feel the spirit, and and uh, I certainly feel it now. And I just, yeah, I, I do, I do, I do too, right? Well, you can kind of it kind of shows, you know, your character and why you have this humility and gratitude and spirituality from these experiences you've had, these trials. You know, I think the gospel is supposed to be a really big tent. Yeah, we're supposed to be welcoming to all kinds of people. And the more we welcome everyone, the more wonderful it is inside the tent. And so I think that that's really important um, for all of us to look around and, and welcome everyone and be as inclusive and loving and understanding as possible, especially with people who aren't like us. I mean, we don't want... The Lord doesn't mean for us all to be the same. He means for us to love and accept everyone, so and include everyone. Yeah, and I think you know both of your experiences you've shared, and all of the experiences that seems to be the common thread, right? Invite, love, welcome, uh, care for, no matter what, right? And that's. Uh, those are God's laws, right? I mean, those are His commandments, right? And uh, sometimes we overcomplicate it. I like what Kyle said about his mission president. I'm going to keep it real simple. I think the gospel's simple. Like, we try to overcomplicate it. We want to make it a doctorate, PhD, give me the, all the, the, the deep doctrine of how it all came to be when the end, the Heavenly Father wants us to keep it simple. It is very simple. Very, right. very simple. Yeah. It's, you know, Kyle's had a lot of opportunities to do a lot of interesting projects architecture-wise. Oh, yeah, we need to hear about that. He's, he's gotten to do, to work on some amazing temples. And just to see, I've, I've been able to go to just a couple of dedications, but when we went to the one in Arequipa, Peru, it was just so amazing to be there with all of those people who had just been yearning for that experience. But he's had, you know, and now in the Philippines, a couple there, and how many of you France work and you kept track? Ukraine and You're gonna to have to keep bragging because he's not gonna to want to. So keep going, yeah. Marilyn. How many has he worked on? Well they're they're you know, he's not allowed the church asks oh. that they not say too much. Sure. Did they ask you? No, they didn't, which is why I mentioned it. You know, but he's had some really wonderful opportunities to work on you know, these, and, and work on education buildings and, and other things too. Um, but I think the temples, if you 
look back on your career, I think you'll feel really glad that you did those, right? Yeah, they've been they've been good projects. They've been very eye opening. Uh, did they pay you? <laughs> Don't go there, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask not to say that. <laughs> well, they did upgrade houses, so. <laughs> but but I, I do want to say something about my career. I, I've, I've had a chance to go around the world to different places that I probably never would have gone to otherwise. I've been a very stay-at-home kind of person, you know. And then I married Marilyn, who is a world traveler. And Have op- passport, will travel. <laughs> op- opened my eyes to the possibilities of travel and, and going different places. And we've been places and seen things. And like she said, uh, the gospel is a very big tent. And to be able to see all sorts of wonderful, wonderful people in every part of the world, just great individuals, the church has no corner on good people, you know. Um, so that's been been really good. I think it's it's also been interesting that both Marilyn and I come from families where the gospel was not really practiced at home a lot. But I think I think in some ways that's made us more accepting of other people. Sure and not as critical of them, which has been good, and been able to talk to a lot of people about the gospel and and the principles of the gospel. So that's been positive. And and I hear you're working on the new Provo rebuild. (laughs) Yeah, that, okay, I'll tell you a story about that one. So we were, we'd started that project probably uh, before the COVID pandemic. And the church was investigating whether they wanted to uh, remodel the existing Provo Temple and upgrade its structure and completely uh, redo it. Or if they felt it was better financially to just scrape that temple and build a new one. So... Uh, we had been working on that design for a couple of years, and they told us, don't tell anybody. This is highly confidential. You know, if people who attend that temple understand, you know, get wind that it's going to be demolished or whatever, it could create issues. It could create problems. And, of course, since then, the Provo City Center Temple the Linden Temple are being built, the Orem Temple. So there are going to be plenty of temples in that area to take up the slack, and now they can do this new one. But, you know, I told Marilyn, she said, what are you working on? And I said, well, we're doing this kind of secret project for the church. And she said, well, what is it? And I said, I can't tell you. (laughs) And she said, what do you mean you can't tell me? And I said, well, it's a temple, but I just can't tell you where it is or what it is. And so she would guess. Marilyn, <laughs> Marilyn is a good guesser. She would guess, well, is it this? And I'd just go, Marilyn, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. And so this last conference when President Nelson filing said and the rebuild of the Provo, Utah Temple, she goes, I told you that's what it was. I told you and you wouldn't tell me. <laughs> and I said, 
you know I couldn't tell you. So anyway. I love that. That's a great story. I love that. Marilyn, you were spot on. No, he's, he, I, I mean, President Oaks, be a person of integrity. They asked him not to say anything. And he there's no doubt he was going to follow that. That's Kyle. He didn't say That's anything. That's Kyle. Mr. Right. Integrity. Yeah. And Marilyn. If, yeah. So if he hears something in Elders Core meeting, I never know about it. <laughs> in presidency meeting, yeah. Uh, yes, excuse me. Thank yeah. you for that correction. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Well, in, 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 in closing this up, um, I, I would just like to ask you both a question and kind of. And maybe you've heard this before on the other podcast, but it's going to make you really dig it out of you. Um, but, you know, 100 years from now, 100 years from now, Kyle, um, and your great-great-grandkids are listening to this very bot podcast, right? What would you want them to know about you or about what's important in life? Oh, man. Marilyn, you're getting the same question. So if you've already got an answer. Well, the obvious thing is what's important in life is to learn about the Savior and follow his gospel, which is pretty simple, which is to have faith in him, to repent of your sins, to be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost, and then follow those promptings of the Holy Ghost for your whole life and and it will never, ever lead you astray. And if they were to learn anything about me, it's to know that people change over time. You're never the same. You're always going to change. And if you're going to change, change for the better. Change to be a better person every day and uh, improve upon things. So that's what I would want them to know about me. I tried to do that. I tried to, to be better. So Love that. Marilyn? I think I would want them to know um, that I love their great-grandparents and their grandparents because those are, you know, my children and... Um, mm -hmm. my grandchildren and that John Scowcroft and I were always on the same page about this which, which was that the gospel is true it's not that the church is true it's the gospel is true <clears throat> and that <clears throat> our heavenly father our, our heavenly parents love them and care about them and that life is a journey and to have as many wonderful experiences and be as loving and kind to the people around them as, as they can. So I guess that would be, that would be it I for love me. it. It's good. Thank you so much. We appreciate you allowing us to do this tonight and, uh, with that, we'll wrap this up, and thanks again. Thank you.